Welcome back to Unemployed with Anna Roisman. I'm your girl, Anna Roisman. And this week on the podcast, we're going to talk a little bit about jobs. We're going to talk about theater. We're going to talk about all kinds of special things. I'm really excited. We got a new patron this week. That was hot. One new patron is very exciting. Wow. That's big news. Yes. I'm here with Ellen. Ellen, what's up? Hey, it's great to be here. How are you? You're in nature. Uh, I saw your Instagram and it was just like trees and, and green and I don't know. I saw a frog. That- I saw a frog today. You saw a frog? Yes. Did you kiss it? That seems a little unsanitary. Honestly, these days I feel like you're probably you know safer kissing a frog than you are a human being who potentially could be a asymptomatic carrier of COVID, you know? Yeah. As far as we know, frogs are not carrying Right. COVID. I mean, so <laughs> makes sense. I guess that and is one of the safer things I could be doing right now. I felt really scientific just now saying that, you know, just like just like just like thinking about that. And I'm like, wow, yeah, you could kiss a frog and it's probably safer. I don't know, unless they carry like you could get warts. <laughs> it's a science podcast now. <gasps> oh, God. Could you imagine if I was like, what if we just turn this into a science podcast? They'd be like, wow, I understand why she couldn't hold a job. <laughs> I'd be done for a podcast just about frogs. Show me that prod- podcast. Where's that That's at? That's niche. Too niche. It is very I'd be niche. down for one about soups, but I don't know how much you can do just, you know, over audio. I don't know. Yeah, I guess you could do the sound. That's a very, like, very ASMR food Ooh, thing. Yeah. Having that will be- soup sounds. People get off to that. I bet the Patreon would grow if I just started slurping soup on a podcast. I mean, yes, <laughs> people go crazy over that. Oh, wow. You're giving me so many ideas. I feel so creative right now. You know, I feel like a, a, any job could be mine at this point. You know what? You are creative. Wow. Thank you. Thank you so much. I am really excited about uh, about our next few guests. We have a couple guests booked right now, and they're all very successful people. But even the most successful people once lost their job. That's got to be true. The last two people right. we've interviewed have been like, yeah, never been unemployed. Right. 15 years old onward, they always held a job. And I'm like, what? How? Who? Huh? You never fucked up? Yeah. But we found out there were a couple there were a couple slips in the path. You know, I bring it out in them. I bring out <laughs> the best of the unemployment. In them. Yeah, that's what this is all about. Get into those yeah. dirty details. I know, right? I don't know. I keep getting those LinkedIn emails that make me want to kill myself. You know the LinkedIn emails that are like, hey, congratulate so-and-so on their new position or like congratulate your friend. It's their eighth year anniversary at their job. And I'm just like, it's almost like at this point, it's worse than seeing like people get married and like have babies and like, you know, uh, buy houses and diamonds on Instagram. I'm like, I don't want to fucking see you get a job right now. <laughs> Yeah, I do not. I do not like getting those notifications. No, but sometimes those LinkedIn notifications could put someone through therapy. You know, they're really just like really. I do when I see those. I like to. I need to step outside for a second, and then I come back in and I congratulate them because I don't. I can't just stew on it. You know, everyone. Wow, you congratulate on it. You do. You gotta. 
Whoa, I delete, delete from my email. I even try to put it in spam and I'm like, LinkedIn, do not do this to me. You can go to spam. I get a box of goldfish, you know, family size, and I down it and I'm like, wow, I feel better. <laughs> it's in the trash and I feel better. Listen. And I don't wish ill things on people. I'm not a mean monster. I just don't need to see your successes right now via LinkedIn. Sure. But, you know, you could congratulate someone today and then maybe tomorrow they would, you know, they might recommend Hire you me? for a job. Oh, I get so, it. So you're using it as like a networking thing. Yeah. I mean, that's what LinkedIn is all about. It's a networking <laughs> I platform. Guess. Yeah. <laughs> I guess you link to one, even in the congratulatory messages, you're you're getting something out of it. But actually, I hate LinkedIn. Sorry to anyone listening. Do not say that too loud, okay? Because we are looking for a sponsor, and I honestly think we'd pair really well with a LinkedIn. Fuck. Okay, well, I'm- Or a monster. I'll cut this out, but- No. <laughs> it's my least Glass favorite. Glassdoor, can you hear me? I'm Glass ready. Door. Actually, Glassdoor, I love because that's where you get all the dirt from, like, ex-employees about- the company i love reading glass that was like rate my where you're like fuck i don't want to have this t-shirt they suck on rate my yeah the best it's the best i love even the ones from just people who went through like two rounds of interviews on Glassdoor. it's like you didn't even work there like first of all terrible <laughs> terrible snacks in this office yeah. second of all i was sweating my brains out i need to turn the temperature up yeah down i meant um yeah Wait, is there, have you ever written anything about a job on Glassdoor? No, I, I did have one job where I was very tempted because I was like, it was just, I was in uh, revenge mode. And a lot of the people that I worked with at that place too also felt that way. And I think one had written a a Glassdoor review and I was like, that is a great idea. I'm going to do that too. But I, I chickened out. I (laughs) didn't do it. It's therapeutic. I think I actually wrote one. It is very therapeutic. I think I wrote one in my notes app, but then I never submitted it. All right. I am so excited about our guest today. Ellen, we have a Tony-nominated actor. You know I am a diehard theater fan. I live for Broadway. I literally don't know why I'm even still in New York City because Broadway is not happening right now. So I cannot wait for this guest. I'm so excited he wanted to do the podcast. He is a star among stars on the stage. You might know him from School of Rock on Broadway or Beetlejuice on Broadway or Documentary Now, one of my favorite funny TV shows. He's a very funny guy. I'm so excited to have Alex Brightman on the pod. What's up? I'm, I say it like I'm, where's the I'm, crowd? I'm, I'm, I honestly have done a, enough podcasts where I, I am notorious for interrupting the host from doing their intro, but I didn't do it this time because <laughs> I, I didn't want to. Did you hold back? Was there something I did? I did wrong? I, no, I did. I, only because it really genuinely, it's not out of like want to. I just, I, now that's become a thing. And so I was just like, where am I going to do this? But I was like, you know what? Should we I'm, try it again? Yeah, try it again. <laughs> Oh my God, you know him from Broadway. He's been in a bunch of shows. Yeah, like yeah, I've done a lot of things. It's me, Alex Brightman, everybody. Oh my God. That's Tony like- nominee. <laughs> you see how, <laughs> two time, by the way, thanks. Um, two time. I'm yeah. just going to keep doing this intro until like, I get it right. <laughs> let's, just, okay. dude, let's just do a whole intro show. <laughs> see how long we can make it. I know oh. that's, that's, it wasn't even worth it. Like, I'm glad we did it, but I didn't feel satisfied. <laughs> uh, anyway, hi. How hi. are you? Welcome. 
I know you're you're very employed. I know that. I know we're going to get into all of your, you know, success, but I am generally unemployed though in the thing that I was doing a minute ago, what it felt like a minute ago, which was beer right. juice. But yeah, so I am I am capital U unemployed for sure. Um, yeah. I'm good though. I am I am good. I have just transitioned out of saying this phrase. You know, all things considered, I'm good. I've just stopped Ooh. saying that anymore. I figure people get that part now. Yeah. I figure I've stopped the world's crazy, but I'm doing good. Like, I feel like that caveat is now kind of, is part of it. I feel like I was starting emails with like, Hey, I hope this email finds you well. Like, I hope every, everybody in the family's like healthy. <laughs> and I think this week I kind of gave it up. To, I was like, Hey, what's I, up? I hope, <laughs> I hope that it's inferred. I mean, like, yeah. I don't know. I tend to be around nice people and, and, uh, I tend to want to be around people that like genuine, like generally you'd be like, yeah, I bet he means well. Mm-hmm. Like it's very, I, I find it strange that people have to be like, just hope that this is finding you. And I'm like, we know each other. <laughs> just ask I me. feel like I say it more than I receive it. <laughs> I'm like thinking back to all these emails. Hmm, no one asked if I'm healthy. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I hope this finds you alive is a really funny thing to say now. I mean, not funny, but it's wow. uh, funny in a not funny way. Yeah. So I want to know, because you were out of town, right? I kind of remember from social media, from Twitter, you uh-huh. were not in New York City when this we got out. We got out. My wife and I got out of New York City when both of our jobs were shut down. And uh, we went, we took a road trip to Oklahoma City. Um, Whoa, we took our how dog long is that? 20, it's 22 hours, I think. Oh my God. I think something like that. Like, I think, it, I think we did it. Is it? I think that's right. And we did it was in two days. Okay? Yeah, he was amazing. His name's oh, Kevin. And he was incredible. We didn't know. We had no clue. He's never done that before. I'm a fan of Kevin. You talk about Kevin a lot on Twitter and stuff. I feel like you're, you have a fan base, but Kevin really has a fan base. And it's nice that, you know. Honestly, when I'm walking on the Upper West Side, there the th- this happens more than the other thing happens now. I, in Midtown, every once in a while, someone's like, hey, I know who you are. You did that show. And that's always super fun. Now, mm-hmm. when I walk Kevin... I see a person walking who has like maybe like a musical theater adjacent shirt on or a hat or a look to them. And you can always kind of tell. Um, sure. And they look, they're like walking and then they catch, they look down. They see Kevin. I see them recognize Kevin from somewhere. They're like, why do I know? And they look up and confirm that it's Kevin through me. That's so, so funny. So he's the one they're actually here for, but they're like making yeah. sure with me that it's him. I have a... I don't want to brag, but I have a semi-famous uh, dog I as know. well, yeah. Bobby Flay. Yes, and uh, and there was a girl in my building in the elevator who <laughs> I didn't even know she lived here. She was going to the roof, and she stops me and was like, "Bobby Flay, the dog? Oh my god, I follow this dog on Instagram. Had what? no idea who I was or what I do, but she followed my dog." And I was like, "That's how you know the dog has made it when like he I think has that's good." And own- also, not to take a morbid turn, but you might have just saved that girl's life. You said she was heading up to the roof. <laughs> <laughs> she was heading up just but the by room. the sight of Bobby Flay she was like life is worth living yeah who knows honestly yeah. I I love this story I'm gonna go with that yeah I'm gonna I saved go with a that woman's too. life with my cute toy poodle <laughs> I love it named Bobby Flay <gasps> yeah um, I love it thank you he's gonna be 11 in November oh so my god I, really that's fan- I, I, I I I as far as I know my dog we he, we uh he was found he was a stray dog in mm-hmm. Oklahoma City. And so we think he's two. We think he just turned two. That was we, okay. it was what we're celebrating. But as far as I think, he's not he's not going to die. Like he's gonna be he's the Absolutely. first immortal dog. And so far so good. Like it's yeah. it's pro- so far he's proven me right. 
That's great. Yeah. I mean, uh, Barbara Streisand, you know, she cloned her dogs. I know. So it can be done. I mean, just, I would you love know. to do that. I, I am. You're I'm on ne- track, you know, your musical theater, you know. I, I was in the Winter Garden. Jewish. The Winter there Garden where, where Barbara Streisand did her show. That's that's where she did Funny Girl. And, and Have you met her? Yes. Maybe you I should, did. like, next time get a phone number, you know, be like, hey, I, I heard this thing about your dogs. Why are you assuming I didn't get her phone number? <laughs> um, I w- I met her on the Winter Garden stage. They did uh, sort of a talk with her, like a talk with Barbara Streisand. That's what happens when you become that famous. People just wow. come to watch you chat. And she did it at the Winter Garden where Funny Girl was. So she used our dressing rooms, which was amazing. Um, but so we got to see her on stage. And she's surrounded by like seven bodyguards who are all like Brooklyn dudes, like friends of hers when she's growing up, basically. <laughs> and they're all the nicest Brooklyn guys ever. So these hulking dudes that were like, you are so funny, man. Oh man, you're just fantastic. Your voice like an angel, just fantastic. Over here. Oh, and like, she's it. like, come on guys. Like she's just like a, she's like a girl from Brooklyn. Oh, I love it. She's awesome. I love her. Yeah. Her Instagram, you know, I really, that's as close <laughs> I don't know as if I I've ever, I'm not on Instagram anymore. So I, I haven't really uh, seen it in a while. It's good. It's a lot of dog content, you know? I'm, like, I'm here for that. I'm cool. Yeah. I'm cool with dogs. I prefer dogs over people, to be quite honest. <laughs> yeah, I do too. Yeah. The closest I ever got to meeting her is I did a tribute. A, I sang in a tribute show. It was like Barbara Streisand, Barry Manilow show at, at uh, Joe's Pub. Fun. And her son came and we knew that his, her son was there. And then there were flowers sent to the theater from Barbara. So, you know. Double fun. That was close. She's that classy, close- man class act yeah white roses come on it was She's very classy very cool yeah so okay. i'd like to get back to me if that's okay i would love to get back to you yeah <laughs> i'm so sorry about this yeah. you know actors are just we love talking about ourselves i miss my spotlight <laughs> so okay here's the thing that i wanted to ask you about because i remember reading about also one of my good friends leslie kritzer was in beetlejuice with you and I remember seeing that they were going to shut down Beetlejuice at the theater that you were at, right. right? Because the Music Man was coming in, yes, right? And pave way for Hugh, Jack- Hugh Jackman. Yeah, Huey Jack's <laughs> coming in, kicking us out, kicking right. out some, kicking out a hit Broadway show. He he didn't. Just so we're very very clear, he had nothing not. to do with it. No, but you know, other people did. And sure, yeah. So then, so you found out this news, which feels like, oh my God, we're closing, right? It yes. probably was like a huge wait. No, that's what like- it was. I mean, it wasn't, it didn't feel like that. It was like when you, <laughs> you don't, you, most shows don't just go like, well, we'll find another theater. It doesn't happen. Right. So we knew. We that- won't leave. Yeah, that's right. That's exactly right. And like our show is not one of those you can just sort of make modular and just put it into something else. It was very designed for the Winter Garden. Sure. So we knew it was basically like a death sentence. Yeah. And yeah. how, when was this before? This was like right before COVID, I feel like. Uh, it was. Yeah. Uh, when was it? We got a close. We got a very long form closing notice, which is like the one that you want. Like the closing notice that some shows get is like, you're closing. And they go, when? And then the answer is like, yesterday. Last night was your last Ooh. performance, which is, Ooh. I was a part of the show that did that. Fuck. Um, so it was nice to get like, we had like, I think we had like a eight, six or six to eight month notice basically which is excellent and that's like what you want you know and every show opens and closes so like people that have been in shows know it's horrible i mean because you don't especially if you're a hit show like we were like we were really not only a hit but we were like rising to even be more of a hit yeah um so the momentum was enormous and so having that stop was difficult um but there was like such demand for the show that we were like, I think we're going to end up somewhere else. Like, I think yeah. this is not over. And then everything ended. And then everything. Ended. Actually, the yeah. funny, the funny story there, the quick funny story, <clears throat> excuse me, is um, 
they took us aside at the show. This was like a week before everything shut down. Mm-hmm. And we were in the audience. We had this like company meeting about COVID-19. And like, we were like, okay, what are we doing? And they said, well, first of all, we're not doing the stage door. And every cast member was like, <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> right? like, Cause like some people, like I love I to do it. Home. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But I love to do it. It's just one of those things where like, you, it's the perfect situation where you're like, I would love to, but I can't, mm-hmm. you know, that thing. <laughs> I'm just going to go home and relax if you don't mind. Yeah. Um, and then they said, and also we're not allowing any backstage guests uh, for the next month, including family members. And I said like, oh, that's the best news because <laughs> there's so many people that just want to come backstage and it's not, sure. it's not as exciting as everyone thinks it is. Can dogs, um, were dogs still permitted if, you know? My dog was permitted because I, um, uh, he's a emotional. It's in your rider, animal. right? Yeah. yeah. Um, okay. And it's in, it's in all my right. He's my green M&Ms. And, Good. <laughs> uh, but then literally three days later, they we got a call that was like, and now you can't come backstage. <laughs> you, you're also not allowed here. And that was really strange. And it took a long, long, months long period for me at least to actually mourn the thing. Yeah. Um, I didn't even think about it for the first, I was like, okay, what's next? Like I was thinking like, what do we do? What are we doing? And I was more concerned about the world in general. I was like, what is happening? So it took me a long time to actually go like, oh, right. My job's gone. Mm -hmm. In a way, I feel like we were all just reset. No matter what job you had or where you were, it was like the things we were valuing were just like turned off. And it's like here, you know, like stay in and be healthy and like do your best. Like it did it had that feeling of like, and I don't play a ton of video games anymore, but like that thing where like you respawn with nothing you gained along the way. Like you, you're like, you're back in the same beginning, but you don't have any of your armor anymore. You're like, yeah. you feel like it's me, but I don't know what I, where I am or what's happening anymore. And yeah. it still feels like sort of the world is buffering. You know, it's like, yeah, it's very it strange. definitely does. I mean, I I don't know if you know, I'm a huge theater fan. Like, I do. I, I'm I'm happy you are. We talked a little bit about it when we were yeah. uh, when we did Doug Loves Movies together. Right. And I had seen I had seen Beetlejuice then by then. Yeah. And I came and I hung out with Leslie and like I was so it was so fun and so good. And uh, and then I remember seeing you at Doug and I, you were drinking a lot of beer on stage. Hey, come I on, remember. come on. Don't, no, no one needs. <laughs> and I was like, oh, Alex Brightman probably hasn't had a day off and like years at uh-huh. this point. This those like are your- my by the way that's like that what i we talked about a little before this podcast how much of a yes man i am you just that where you were seeing me at doug loves movies doing a podcast being funny and competing in a game show <laughs> that's my version of a day off just so we're clear that's my days off there came a point i remember being on stage and i and you were like behind me and i turn around and you were like you were like, yeah, I burped or something. No, I don't burp. That's that's I can't. I can't. I will not accept beer. I won't accept that narrative because I I actually cannot burp. So that, okay, won't, that well, can't be there true. There was something where you were like, I'm too drunk to answer this question right now. Yeah, I mean, I'm there so was. Happy to be here. Oh, I just. I mean, that's. But that's my. That by the way, that is like essentially my Doug Loves Movies persona, which is like <laughs> when he's like, you got it wrong, and my answer is like, I don't really fucking care because I <laughs> I came here to have fun, and I'm still doing that. Yeah. I failed. I failed on that, but I did just win on an episode. You did? Yeah. That, what does that feel like? I bet there. The bet feel, must feel amazing. I, I I'm never still talking won. about it. You know, <laughs> yeah, it's the best thing that happened about. to me in COVID. It was like weeks ago, three weeks ago. I don't know. And you know, my boyfriend's a fan of Doug, so he was like, "You want like that's, that's huge." Impressive. I am also impressed because I have tried and failed many times to win that show. That's not happened. <laughs> and Ellen and my coworker Matt was also on, and I beat Matt, and that was that felt good. Is this too, Matt you know? from HQ? Yeah, Matt Richards. He's so funny. He's so cool. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So I want to go, I want to take it back. Usually on this podcast, I like to go back to the beginning. Okay. When you, when you were growing up, I wanted to know like, what were, what was the first job that you ever had? 
before you were uh, um, super famous Alex Brightman of the Upper West Side. Yeah, totally famous. And um, I, my first job ever was working, was sorting metal washers for my grandfather in his tool shop in New Jersey. I did not grow up in New Jersey. I grew up in California, but we would go visit and he would put me to work. He would employ you and uh-huh. you went to visit? He pay me. Uh, my wow. brother, my brother and I would count screws and washers and put them in boxes <laughs> and he would sell them at this like local tool shop that he owned. And that was like, you my, tell your family's like, look, I need you guys here for like two weeks, three weeks. If you can make it. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. It was very, uh, probably heavily illegal situation, like, um, <laughs> getting paid really under the table in like cash and also like FUD ruckers. Um, but that was like my first job, sort of my first real, real job. I wanted, I think it was Jamba Juice. Um, no way. I worked at one of the very first ever Jamba Juices when it first came out. So it was like, not like Jamba Juice is now where it's so ubiquitous. It was like, it was a hot spot. Yeah. Um, where was it? Here in New York? No, it was in Saratoga, California, right on the border of San Jose. Wow. Um, and so I worked at one of the very first ones and had a, I worked for like two years. Um, it was like a big, big job. And to the point where I became like a trainer. Oh, wow. Um, and when for I when moved. when they went corporate. Yeah. But when I moved to New York uh, for, to go to NYU, I asked for a transfer. I was like six, 17 years old. And I was like, I'd like a transfer to the New York location. Smart. And I be, Because I was a trainer, they were like, made it happen. And so when I got to New York, I set foot in New York with a job. That's amazing. Um, and so, and I trained people and I figured, I realized that outside of California where the Jamba Juice was like a Disney World type place. Outside of California, people didn't really respect the job as much as you'd hoped. And I had a, I called corporate. I was like, what am I supposed to do with these people? They don't, they won't listen to me. I was like a pipsqueak. I had no, no point. There's no reason for me to be bossing people around. So I You really got a taste of like the New York, you know, clientele. Yeah, it was so instant. They like, but it was the people that worked there too. They're like, look, dude, this is a job. Please stop telling me what's like, I I don't care about this place. And I was like, but you have to have a smile on your face. Like that's not in my job description. They're like, get this 17-year-old trainer out of here. Yeah. We are 40 years old and we're trying to get some insurance. <laughs> Literally. I mean, that was what it, and then when I look back at it, I was like, oh, right. I'm the jerk. Got it. <laughs> um, and I also should be, had been going to school. I was like so ready for the, the world. Yeah. Um, so you went to NYU for musical theater? Yeah. I went to NYU for- the, Cap 21? I did go to Cap 21 before it, it uh, is now no longer part of NYU. I was part of the last sort of- um, I didn't know uh, that. Yeah. So they had, when we went, they had kind of a troubling year um, curriculum, not curriculum, uh, uh, staff-wise, whatever that's called. The, okay. Uh, and it was like they had hired some people that were not all the, all the way there, <laughs> and they just were not really qualified uh, you know, in a lot of different ways. And they also took way too many students. So it was a lot of waiting around mm-hmm. for a lot of incredible people um, that were in our class. I mean, like yeah. Rachel Bloom came out of that class. She was my class. Oh, she was yeah, my college yeah. buddy and Skylar Aston. And um, Sam Pinkleton, choreo- who's now a Tony-nominated choreographer, and like there's so and Lady Gaga was like two years ahead of me, right? So it's like wow, and she was not Lady Gaga. That's not what they called her. They called her Stephanie. Stephanie but, um, Germanata. That's correct. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, it was just so many actors in one spot, and so many conservatories usually take I don't know, like three and a half people, <laughs> and so and like two and a half graduate. You know what I mean? It's like yeah. But we had eighty kids in our freshman class, Whoa. which is not fair. And so I was like sitting there and I don't learn everything from watching. You have to do stuff. And I would sit there yeah. for weeks at a time and was like super unhappy. Um, I was sold a huge bill of goods, I think, to like where this was going. And I thought I'm like, you kind of like you do your work and you don't get to show it. Yeah. 
So that's, that's frustrating, especially up, because you're like, I'm here to perform. I'm, I'm, not- I'm here to learn too. I, I was like, yeah. I didn't, I'm not so, I'm not so much of a person that's like, I just want to go work. I was like, I have things to learn. I don't know. Yeah. I couldn't have learned this in community theater um, where I hit sort of a plateau of like, it was fun, but I wasn't learning anything. Right. And I wanted to learn. So I didn't get it there. So I started auditioning and then I booked two things in one week and then I left school um, after, after my second year at NYU. So that's when my, my career started really early. Yeah. Uh, I was like Wait, what did you book? Old. These I, are big jobs. The thing I ended up going with, the th- what, my very first equity job, which, which was like such a ridiculous, crazy, grateful moment was um, I did the play, um, The History Boys by Alan Bennett. Oh, um, wow. The National Theater, which was like this unbelievable opportunity that they did it in London at the National, they did it on Broadway with the National, and then they did an LA company with the National. And I was part of the LA company at the Amundsen. That's so cool. Um, and I was a child. I mean, I was like turning, I was 18 and a, and a half. <laughs> I still did the halves. I was 18 and a half. Yeah. Um, and moved out to LA from back from New York and, and lived in LA by myself during like an incredible time, like with real deal actors, Dakin Matthews and Peter Page. Oh my um, God. Queer as folk. And, uh, it so was, you had to make that decision of like, which job am I going to go with? Like I did. And the other, I, the only reason I don't mention the other one is just because it, it doesn't really matter. Okay. And it's not a big, it's like, it's one of those things where like, it's, it's just, I know somewhere, someone somewhere is going to be like, I don't know. There's always something when you like the thing you didn't choose. Yeah. I don't know. Um, but I, Titanic, the movie, uh, James Cameron, right? I know. Like, yeah. And like, like, if I would have yeah. only chose that, I wouldn't yeah. even be here. Um, honestly, (laughs) the consolation you went with the history boys, you know, I am too. I am really stepping stone. (laughs) I'm really thrilled to be here. Um, (laughs) but I learned more there in the three months that I did with the national theater and rehearsing with them and learning work ethic than I did in any amount of years I would have spent at NYU. And that's not just NYU. I don't think, I think that I just learning by doing and being in a show is absolutely the kind of learner that I am. And I didn't know that until I got the experience. That's great. Oh, yeah. I always felt like I learned, even though I didn't like it, I had like an internship in TV production, in casting, and I learned so much in that summer than like I did in school that I was like, oh. (laughs) Yeah, being thrown into it is is like a real deal thing. I think that's when people really show their their mettle. Yeah. Even on set, even if you're like observing on set, you learn so you learn everyone's position and what they're doing and what they're there for. Right. And And you learn something they can't teach you, which is relationships. The, the, yeah. the connections and relationships on a set, no matter where you are, film, TV, stage, doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. The networking aspect, the schmooze, the being nice, the being collaborative and cooperative and encouraging and generous. Those things, there's not a class on that. And you yeah. can't, if you're not a nice person, I don't mean a mean person. Right. If you're just not a nice person, that's a skill you can work on that mm-hmm. you sort of need to be on set with things, you know? Yeah. Because I think that the more of a jerk you are, I'm speaking strictly for like stage. If you're just a huge jerk all the time, there's absolutely comes a day where no one's going to work with you. Film and TV is different because people pull in certain amount of notoriety. So you can be a jerk. Same with theater now at this point. Yeah, but less. I think, I do think that there is, I think that theater is the, as far as like mediums go, I think one of the last holding out meritocracies. Um, Mm -hmm. I think that you can get away with a lot more in film and TV. Um, because of how famous you might be. I don't right. think there's like strict fame on Broadway. I think there is a bit of it. There's notoriety and all that. Yeah. But I think the fame as compared to something like film and television is like the disparity is huge. Yeah. I also felt like the theater community, there's so much fame within the theater community. Yes. Like 
growing up, there were like actors and actresses. I'd be like, mom, I'm seeing Wicked with Kristen Chenoweth. And my mom would be like, I don't know who that is. Right. I mean, but that's what I prefer. TV, but yeah, I prefer yeah. that. That's the life that I love, which is like I get to do this amazing thing, and have fun doing it, and have an, aud- an audience of fifteen hundred to two thousand people at the palm of my hands, eight times a week, and it's brilliant. And then you walk one block away from the theater, and nobody knows who you are. Right, and that's the <laughs> best normal New Yorker. It's the best. I, I always, for years, I didn't know why, but I was like, wouldn't it be so cool to be a blue man in blue man group? And I, I never could put it into like words why. And I think part of it is because the minute they leave the theater, no one knows who they are. Yeah, that's so true. Yeah. I had this dream to make a documentary about blue man group. <laughs> <laughs> you did. What is the what's the I've talked about it a lot. My boyfriend produces documentaries. I'm like, I have it. I really want to What's the just, hook? What are, do, why I, are we watching this? I don't you know the I'm still coming I'm still understanding it. But I learned about that they go to camp, they go to like Blue Man they camp do. and like I had a friend I, I, I had a couple friends that went through it. Yeah. Like imagine if I went to Oh, to see there is the hook. Yeah. If I want to be a blue man. You can. I you, by the honestly, way, incredibly by the way, inherently sexist group. There you go. I, the, we, they, we don't talk about that enough. We, I we, want to be really, the first blue woman. We focus a lot on the blue part. We don't focus a lot on the man part. Is what I'm saying. <laughs> Honestly, that show probably will be the first show, first theater experience to come back because I feel like they could wear masks. <laughs> we wouldn't. <laughs> it's like a bit. The like they already kind of do. Right? They yeah, sort of they already, don't talk. They don't talk. Yeah. Right? They just have to drum. They could wear face. They wear face shields, I think, for some of it. Anyway, I saw it a thousand years ago, but whatever i really enjoyed that show to be quite honest I, i'm a, <laughs> actually a huge fan of the blue man group um Fun. i actually own all of their albums and there are albums wow yeah their music album their instrumental albums that's cool yeah they i cool. didn't know that yeah, i just remember uh, i was very afraid of the marshmallow bit i i it makes me paranoid to watch people like choke themselves or i'm eat with too you much. do you know that it's uh, you know that it's not all marshmallows spoiler alert Oh, what is it? The is reason it like whipped cream? Why, no, it's so it's the first couple or the first whatever mouthful are marshmallows and they are catching catch them. But once it starts to pour out of their mouth, like and it starts to, they won't be actually able to like have the depth to catch one. Yeah. Why do I know this? But um, you but I do know you're... that the ones they throw after that are made of like a certain kind of dough that just sticks. Interesting. I hope that I'm not like blowing up a blue man spot right now. Like I, I... we have a ton of blue man group <laughs> fans actually who watch this podcast. Right. Well, they're just like begging me to, you know, give them more dirt. So I don't, I, I know a couple people that went to blue man camp. And so I know that with like some good authority that that's a, that's a real thing. Wow. I'm going to learn to do it. Honestly, I think we found our director. This is, this me? could be a thing. Yeah. You're going to direct blue oh man God. documentary. My heart is so warm. Oh, good. I'm glad. I'm, I'm employing you. That's what happens on this podcast. You come on, we talk about some stuff, and then I give you a job, actually. That's a wonderful byproduct of just being on a podcast. Yeah, it'll happen. Just mark my words. I love it. I'll come, <laughs> I'll, I will have a job for you soon, too. Thank you. Oh, thanks. I would love that. For all of you. In fact, those of you listening, look under your seat. <laughs> okay, there's nothing there. Under your seat, you're going to find a little ticket, and it yep. says, Alex Brightman has a job for you. That's right. <laughs> And, and then no contact number. <laughs> yeah. Just the, yeah, that's where it ends. You're going to be like, who's that? Yeah. Uh, Why do I not know that name? Why am I listening <laughs> to this podcast? <laughs> All right. So we're at the history, boys. You do that for how long? I do it for like three-ish, four-ish months. Okay. That's that's long enough. That's the longest then- one I'd ever done by about, I think, uh, three-ish or four-ish months. Right. Because I was going to say uh, community theater is like a couple weekends, right? Or like if that. School. It's a weekend or two. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I did the history boys and then I came back to New York thinking I was like king shit. I was like, right. you know, all my classmates were like, what is it like? 
And I was like, you won't even, you know, you, you wouldn't even understand. I was like, that kind of guy. Oh, and then like, right away, I was like, oh, right. You have to like, you're, you like, there's nothing. I don't have anything to jump to. I didn't have school. I didn't have a job. Right. So I went back to like applying for jobs, like restaurant stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and I worked a couple restaurants and I worked for Bobby Flay. Oh, I worked wow. at a, a now defunct restaurant called Bolo. Um, I thought you were going to say Mesa Grill because I worked around the corner. Oh, you did? When I, yeah. I like Mesa I, Grill. Where'd you work? Mm-hmm. BLT Fish. I love BL- BLT Fish. Really? Yes. I love, the BL- I love the BLT brand, RIP. Wow. I worked for them for five years. I truly, that was like some great restaurant. On and off in LA, LA and New York. Yeah. That was my job. I moved to New York with a job day one because I interned in the summer beforehand for a casting director at in New York. And I worked, I was a hostess at BLT Fish. And they were like, when you graduate college, if you move here, like you have a job. Oh my God, that's so great. <laughs> and they needed a summer maitre d'. And it was like, I was like, they were like, when do you graduate? I was like, I don't know, May 10th from Boston. They're in, like, at, May 11th, baby. Yeah. yeah. And my parents like came to graduation and we like drove to New York and like moved my shit in. That's <laughs> it. Tying your apron as you park. Yeah, um, that's so awesome. I love the. I, I'm a huge restaurant aholic here in New York. Like, I it's one of the huge things I miss. Is that me too? Oh my god! It the the this new. We'll get back to the, me in a second. But this new um, <laughs> these, eating outside. The, it's not eating outside. I've eaten outside. That's a different. Yeah. This is what's happening now. Is it's restaurants in the middle of bike lanes. Yeah, and it's not okay. And have people, you done it? I haven't done it. I just did it for the very, I saw my very first human being that I knew outside of my wife and my parents in six months, like Holy shit. four days ago. And wow. it was weird. And I don't know if I'm going to make it a tradition. I don't know. I'm not going to make this consistent because yeah. I'm, I think I've developed like a slight form of agoraphobia during this. And I think my mm-hmm. therapist might agree, <laughs> but what does he know? Um, and it, You're it's not just, alone. Oh, I know. So at but least you know that. <laughs> I walk my dog a lot. And so I see these like restaurants that are like packed with people that are like six feet away, table to table. But like, yeah. there's like coworkers who definitely are not in a pod together, like, you know, like a foot away from each other. And I'm like, yeah. first of all, that's the huge problem. Second of all, what I've noticed as an actor and an observer is the frenzied sort of like happiness that like, it's normal. Things are fine. Mm-hmm. Like jokes are funnier for no yeah. reason. And like conversation is like way more scintillating in a creepy way. Like people are like, you can't make that stuff up. And you're like, oh my God, if this wasn't happening, you wouldn't even be here. You're doing this at, like in defiance of this thing. That's so true. And you're not having a good time. I can see it. <laughs> I can, it, by the way, it, go to any of these places yeah. and look at the tables and see, count how many people there are on the table. And then count how many drinks there are on the table. And then you mm-hmm. tell me people aren't depressed. Yeah. No, it's so true. They're trying I, I to make it, it feel normal. That's what they're doing. It's not I normal. Don't, <laughs> I don't know why. Like, I feel like there are some places I feel, I, we took out a cocktail from a place that we like near us, but mm-hmm. they were like in a plastic cup to go. And then we walked to the park and we that were That like, I loved. Oh, they got rid of that. Fun. That I loved. Yeah. But I, I don't know. I haven't like sat down to dinner. I, I'm worried. This sounds crazy. I'm worried about using silverware and drinking That's not, out of a glass. You're talking like, to the right person. <laughs> I, I was like, I worked in restaurants for seven years. You think I like looked at every glass and like wiped it. Like they don't want to be there. The people working there, like no. everyone is depressed. Right. So it's like, it's scary. It I is. Don't know. And I have a really, I've seen more bike, little like delivery bike accidents than I mm-hmm. want to. And it's like, because there's no fucking room. Yeah. And why would there, why there shouldn't be room. 
Like yeah. it's like, I mean, there's already, there should be tons of room. Like there shouldn't be this restaurant in the middle of a bike lane. <laughs> I saw a truck take down a whole restaurant. Like me the wood too. That they built in Soho. I've had to go to Soho, which is weird. Cause I hadn't been to the city in three months. And then yeah. I had to go, I go to the studio to do HQ. Right. And uh spoiler it's in so everyone knows it's in Soho. We, I just can't say where. <laughs> Let's saw- go everybody. <laughs> And I saw a truck just like turn onto one of those like mulberry or something. And it was like crunch, crunch, crunch all the wood from one of those outdoor places. No people were there, but I was just like, oh shit. By the way, you know, who's like seeing, you know, who's like seeing a really big lift from this is the people building those things. Yeah. I know those they're, people they're getting are nice. in business. Oh, they are. Yeah. They're getting really nice in my neighborhood. There's like, yeah. there's like, like, uh, like leather what, booths and like le- leather booths. And like, some of them are like, it's like a booth, but it's also sort of a planter. Yep. <laughs> it's like yeah. crazy. Yeah. I've seen a lot. Of, I'm in Williamsburg and there's a lot of fancy places popping up that you're like, Whoa, they really got that right. But like, I, don't I still don't know if I should eat here. <laughs> I've done, I've done so much cooking. It's like, I, which I'm so into, I'm already cool about it. And so I don't, I don't feel the need I'm a class, I am an introvert, like in the, in the way of like the, the way it's defined, like yeah. your, your preference is to be alone. Um, and this has proven to me that I am one because I, <laughs> at every turn I've been invited to things, even that felt safe. And I was like, I'm good. Yeah. No, yeah, I, I'm, I'm good I hear here. You. We've been cooking a lot too. And I secretly tell Jared, my boyfriend, I'm like, I hope we never get jobs and we have to stay in this apartment forever. <laughs> yeah. Like, I'm like, I gotta I be honest. Some days are good. I actually, we like each other and we're, you know. That's the best. That same situation here with me and my wife. But it's right? like, I had for like 10 plus years, I've had a place to go at night. Like that's where I, I've had a job. Sure. I've been on Broadway for six, six different Broadway shows over the last like 13 years. And, wow. but they've been like running into the way where I've literally almost never had a gap, which has been amazing. But it also means like I miss out on like very easy, simple things that you don't realize what you miss, like cooking dinner. One, yeah. Two, Sunday brunch. Can't do it because you have a matinee. Um, so for like the last 13 years, I've just missed out on any bottomless mm-hmm. brunch ever. Um, yeah. And now I'm really, I still can't have it because I'm not going, I'm not going to drink one in the middle of a bike lane. Um, <laughs> we used been... to joke that we, Ellen and I had your schedule for a couple of years because right. with HQ Live at every, oh, yeah. every night at nine, it was like there were, I couldn't do certain comedy shows because I couldn't get there because right. I had to be live and I had to do hair and makeup, right? Ellen, you were there yeah. every night. I could never then... go to any comedy shows or like <laughs> Yeah, movies. getting spots is hard enough and then get trying My... to like go, can you make, can you do like a 1030? <laughs> She's like, I no. Worked... Seven nights a week for four months straight when I first started there. And my first night off, well, my first night off, my grandma died. And I was like, I have to go home and sit Shiva. Uh, oh, sorry. God. But then I saw a Broadway show. I was like, well, what? the first night I have off, I'm going to see a show. Do you remember I what you saw? Ma- I don't, actually. It was uh, Beetlejuice on Broadway. <laughs> that's right. Good. <laughs> that's School a good, of Rock. That's a, really, that's a really good thing to see right after your grandma passes away, is a show that <laughs> just rem- mentions death a lot. I remember the last show I saw before COVID. What was it? Was the uh, Alanis Morissette musical. Jagged now, Little Pill. Jagged Little Pill, yeah. yeah. Which was so fun. I mean, the I voices. The music was so good. I've listened to it, and I, I live for Jagged Little Pill. It's like one of the first albums I got, but I'm like, wow, I really liked what they did with the music. I have really heard, cool. I've heard all the good things. I just was yeah. a bit busy doing my own thing on the same exact schedule. I know. So, so okay, when you lost your – so you went to restaurants. How long were you in restaurants before you booked your next show? Because you, Not- just, you just slipped in there, you know, like, oh, it's six <clears throat> years I've – constantly been on broadway <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> which we love but we just lost a couple listeners so sorry um <laughs> no, that's fine 
Um, it's all the truth. I'm not lying to make friends or lose any. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I worked, I don't know, a couple of different restaurants. Like I was very bad at that job because I didn't want it. And I just was sort sure. of like, who cares? Like if, when I was fired from any job, I was like, good. I didn't want to be here. I don't care. It didn't matter to me. That is the um, best attitude to have, though. It didn't matter fired. to me. All I wanted to do was be an actor. So like when I was the, like, we don't want you working at this restaurant. I was like, I don't even know the name of this place. I'm, <laughs> I don't care where I am. Um, and I was a brat a little bit. And so I ended up auditioning for a show called Glory Days. Um, that was on Broadway, uh, that was at in uh, Washington, D.C., and got a ton of hype, being like, this is the future of musical theater, this is the best show we've ever seen. So it like shot to Broadway really quickly, and they needed to hire um, two understudies for the four guys in the cast. And I was hired, and I was like, wow. Because my mantra for Whoa. years was like, first Broadway show by 30, first Broadway show by 30, let's, like, let's make that a goal. It's, pretty, it's like very far out, and then I'm 18, like turning 19 and get this Broadway show. Holy shit. And it's crazy. Like, I'm like, it happens in one day. Like, I auditioned in that night. They were like, you got it. I was like, it was like all too much. You were like, I thought there's more of a like, don't callbacks in this round. Oh, please. First of all, and- if I had to hear one more person, uh, you know, a resentful type, you know, person in my life for the number of years this started happening that are like, yeah, but he didn't really pay his dues. I'm like, why would you do that if they just give you a show? Like, What? <laughs> what is what a shitty thing to say to somebody That's who's like terrible but who's I, succeeding in the way like it's hard work no one just gave it to me out of charity like i auditioned my ass off and right so it's always funny we're like yeah he didn't really go through the grind i'm like i didn't want to go through the grind i wanted this to be easy and it it turned out that way i didn't you know you it, also took a huge leap of faith exactly you were like i'm gonna leave school a reputable program that a lot of people go through and they do the whole four years i feel like i'm gonna just try and work i, but think I also that's- i worked really hard like that's the like the thing is like you the work that nobody sees like the best people you've seen in theater it doesn't matter who it is play musical otherwise the work that has gone on behind the scenes that literally nobody except for that actor has done in scene mm-hmm. is countless. The hours are like countless and they're they're boring and nobody pays them for those hours and no one applauds them and no one sees them. And that's the bad part. That's the part where you go like, this is yeah. arduous and it may not pay off. <laughs> but when it does pay off, it's really exciting because you've done all that hard work. And yeah. that's the thing I think people that say, you didn't pay your dues, don't understand. Fuck them. Well, they just don't understand. I I, yeah. I understand that they're jealous or that you know that they have yeah. some sort of like I wish I was that lucky and I which I a phrase that I do not enjoy. Um <laughs> I think luck is something to do with it, but as my friend Mark Summers name drop um would say, uh the the harder you work, the luckier you get. Yeah. And I think that's true. That's so true. I mean, when I was telling you before this podcast, or before we started recording, like why I started doing the unemployed show, and it was literally because I didn't know. I mean, I always wanted to be a comedian and an actor, and I wrote, and I was like, when I lost that day job, that kind of set me free. It was a really cushy job. I had amazing insurance. I made a lot of money doing yeah. being an assistant, and uh, and I got hired because they were like, I said I was a comedian, and my boss at the time was like oh my son he's on broadway so i totally get it his son was eight years old and he was in cat on a hot tin roof with scarlett johansson and i was like cool so he's like working and (laughs) i'm i'm your assistant he's a working actor yeah i got it he's like yeah i get your world like i totally get it i'm like we me and your eight-year-old son have different lives your Um, your eight-year-old son plays pays union dues yeah, it was, but it was wild. But I was, what I was saying is like when I was fired from that or laid off, that sounds sexier. When I was laid off from yeah. that job, I had these six months and I was like, I, I wrote stuff, I made stuff, I got to go to Tribeca Film Fest, all the stuff I worked really hard to do 
Yeah. Something came out of it. You Absolutely. Know? And like, had I not done the unemployed show where I talked to camera every week for 50 episodes, I wouldn't have gotten HQ. I didn't know how to be comfortable with myself like that. So I always think you're right. Like, it's not, it's not, it's like you literally have to put in the hours. Hours people don't see. I say all about. the time. And I just actually, if you were paying attention, I, I think I tweeted this this morning. Like, I think that this morning, this about This is my, great. If you were paying attention to my Twitter this morning. Just okay. this morning. And then I deleted it. No. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, but about momentum, about the idea of like that careers like yours and mine and a lot of people who like, it's not the just general, like this is how careers work, like the doctor career. There are steps to becoming a doctor and you can yeah. take those steps. Anyone can do that to take mm-hmm. the steps. I mean, obviously not anybody can do that, but like there are like actual bona fide steps to take. Right. There is none of those steps to becoming an actor. But what is something that people don't necessarily think about or teach, and I try to teach this in my like audition classes and, and audition mindset and psyche things is that momentum is something that may come once. And if you see it and it's happening to you, it is your responsibility to go with it. It's not your responsibility to be daunted by it or to go, oh, I'll just wait for the next one. I'm too nervous. Same thing with you. The idea of going 50 times on camera, it just kept working, going well. And then HQ happened. And rather than balking and being like, I'll just keep doing my thing, you went, yeah, let's see where this goes. Yeah. That's a good thing. That makes, I think, makes for a very fruitful career too. Okay, so All I right. want to talk about what was like the one job you got that like you were like my life is going to change now. I mean, I I assume it was School of Rock because you were like the lead. It yeah. was, but it was that in the way that you like the way I got School of Rock, the very short version of an incredibly long story is I was asked to do the workshop because I became sort of known over the last number of years, like of a guy that would really just help out in the room during readings. Like I was good with material. You were and nice in the room and you were nice on set. You like, you, you were respectful. That's like li- you're saying. Literally. I mean, it was yeah. like, it was like, if you can hear behind your back, they're like, Oh, you have to work with him. He's so fun to work with. Then you people then do that. They actually go, Sick. Oh, I'd like to see what that's all about. So I've been invited to a lot of those rooms when projects are new and like just happening, or they had a script for this mm-hmm. adaptation of school of rock, which needed a lot of work. So they brought in some actors and we just read it. I didn't play Dewey Finn in the reading. I played one of the kids, mm-hmm. but during the reading, the director took a shine to me because I was also writing. And so he saw me writing on breaks and it was just because I was writing something that I was passionate about and I had the time and I don't like to waste it. And so he, we started talking about writing and improv and all that kind of stuff. And after reading was over, I had to, he, they had me come in and audition. They were like, we want you involved with this show somehow. Um, but so I, I ended up like auditioning for like various things in the show. And it sort of whittled down to the idea that they were like, he's funny. He plays guitar. He sings rock and roll. He's right for this, but he's not, he's nobody. Like basically it was what boiled down to is that he's done Broadway shows. Sure. But nobody's, he's not, no one's coming to the show to see this guy. Was that the plan? They wanted to get a name person in yes, that role? Yes, that was the plan from the very top. I think in the beginning it was a James Corden kind of idea, and in, which mm. would have been excellent, and but, or in like a Josh, any of those names, like that, pick a handful of names, you'd be right that they were in there. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I just kept kind of helping out, like here and there, reading there. And, and then when they did this actual big workshop that was going to be in New York and do some performances... Um, I auditioned and in the audition, I, I was auditioning with other like mega stars and like other people that like definitely w- would sell more tickets. And I came in and did the sides fine. And I thought I did a very good job and I left and the intern came out and was like, I want to see you again. And the director said, I want you to do the same thing again. I want you to improvise everything, everything, all 12 pages, all 12 things. The readers will try to catch up with you. He knew that I was like sort of based in improv. Uh-huh. And so, but nobody else did. So he was sort of like tricking them a little bit into going, basically what I know now after getting it was what his plan was, was to show Andrew Lloyd Webber and Julian Fellows who wrote the show yeah. that this guy 
is not only probably good and right for this, but he's going to help your script by being funny in the room every day and generating material. Yeah. You can write off of this guy. So I got the workshop it, with, with the sort of understanding that you were not going to be on the Broadway show. It's going to be like a sort of like, right. you're going to help. That's so build. fun to go back in and just do it however you wanted to do it. It was, and I'm not being hyperbolic, the best audition I've ever had in my life. Yeah. I had so much fun doing that because when it was over, I could tell just from the looks on people's faces, I was like, they didn't realize what they had asked me to do. Mm -hmm. And I had done the thing that I've been good at, I think, for a lot of years. I destroyed the place. Like That's I, so fun. It was That's so, so cool. fun to just see like wreckage across the room. Like you were mm -hmm. just like, okay, this killed. I mean, you've been, you, you've done shows where like people, it just went well. And you're like, yeah. wow. If, um, yeah. So that, and then I did the workshop and we did a bunch of rehearsals and it went really well. And we had a great time. And I sort of knew in the back of my head that it wasn't going to go my way. And I kind of got to the point where I was like, I think I'm going to end up being the understudy to whoever is starring in this show, which is great. Mm -hmm. I don't care. And I was like happy to have my material being played out on stage. Like that was fun. I'd never seen that before. Like being yeah. basically writing jokes That's as so we went cool. and seeing them work. Um, I've never been right. that way. I don't on a Broadway stage, on an Andrew Lloyd Webber stage. Yeah, I mean, like yeah, I mean, eventually, yes, that became the thing. But it was just fun to see them work anyway. I'd never really written jokes before. I'm not a stand-up and I'm not really, yeah. uh, I'm not a huge sketch writer. Um, so it was fun to just sort of play and it worked. At the very last minute when we were doing, right before we got into performances for this New York in-town, out-of-town tryout thing, um, we did a rehearsal where we ran the show in front of Andrew Lloyd Webber and all of his fancy friends. And after it was over, I was walking home for a day off and my agent called me and he was like, how's it going? And I said, I'm exhausted. I'm going to sleep for like two days. I was <laughs> dripping with sweat. And he goes, well, I have some news for you that's going to make it really difficult to sleep. Is how he said it. And I, I'll never, this is those moments where you just like kind of don't forget anything because it's just so vivid. Right. And he goes, and I, I said, okay, thinking like I was going to be fired <laughs> for no reason. I was like, I don't know what <laughs> this is about. And he says, um, uh, they're going to, they're going to want you to do this thing on Broadway. And I said, because I still wasn't really, I said, I said, what, you, I said, as, as like, what, I said, as, I said, as what role? That's what I, that was my immediate thought was like that my official Broadway offer came in to play the understudy because yeah. it wasn't official yet. Broadway thing wasn't a thing. So my mind was literally playing the logic out in real time. And he mm -hmm. goes, he goes, no, he goes, they want you to play Dewey Finn. He goes, you're about to star, you're about to be the star of Andrew Lloyd Webber's next Broadway show. And I was like, so fucking and I, cool. I'm, I tear up every time I'm choking up and I'm, I have it tears in my eyes now Aww. because at that moment I can remember. And here's why I remember. I'm, the, re the reason I remember it is because I was alone <laughs> because the, you want someone there to share that with. And right. I didn't, the, the next, the next available person was a subway ride away. So I had to take a subway ride oh. and on the subway had that amazing thought sitting in the subway surrounded by a bunch of New Yorkers. I had information nobody had. And I sort of like had this weird, very egotistical, narcissistic thought, but like it was heartfelt for me, which was like, I think a lot of these people are going to know who I am in like a couple months. Oh my God. And then like within so a couple cool. of months, I was on a billboard. I was on television. Every ad with School of Rock was me jumping in the air with the thing. And it was like the minute that got announced for Broadway, it was my life has until this moment talking to you right now, my life has been fundamentally different. Yeah. Um, That's so in a way great. of success and in a way of like, other things like you know people taking you seriously in a way mm -hmm. that i don't think they did before i don't know but i feel like when you describe that that's like the the amount of like appreciation you have for that and you know in that moment and that you choke up thinking about it like, i do i desperately do i, I that's don't how you know you're great to work with like you really don't take things for granted <laughs> oh, yeah no. like some people are like oh broadway what was my first role like i don't know i feel like i've met people in this business and they're you know they 
they get to a level of fame or success where yeah. they're they jaded a little bit, right? They're jaded. Yeah. And they can't appreciate those little moments anymore. And like, you know, no, I, 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 I'll and... double down on this. In fact, I, I, I remember walking past the winter garden. We had been in rehearsals already and I was walking home because I was like, wanted to get some fresh air. And I walked past the winter garden and they were putting up the marquee for school of rock. Mm-hmm. And I like, looked at it and it was like that surreal moment where you're like wait rehearsing the show is like you know you're you're in it then you see the theater that you haven't even been in yet and it's like going to be this like it's the you've seen the winter garden it's like the the billboard you can see from space and i sat there and i had this thought which i like still to this day feel as if it's like very weirdly and oddly not profound but like it just struck me in a way i've never thought about before in that moment when i was looking at the poster what what flooded my body was Okay, there are how many billion people in the world? There are billions of people living on the planet. And at this very moment right now, there is only one person out of the billions that are playing this role. There are there are plenty of alphabets now. Yeah. There are plenty of <laughs> Harold Hills, but in this moment before anything happened, there right, was one the human first. being playing this right now and it was me and it became too big all of a sudden. I was like this is a huge responsibility and I can't fuck this up. So rehearsals took a turn after that in a weird way. I was like I took things like way more seriously than I even was. Mm-hmm. Well, you were like leaving your mark because you knew you were going to be the first people after you were going to play this role all over the place, right? This is going to be a show that people do not just on Broadway. And we've all done that. Any actor listening or or you, you uh, have been in a a community theater show where you've done Godspell or you've done Sweeney Todd. And you, what you don't think about is that at one point somebody did this first. Yeah. You're like, I'm I'm playing Sweeney Todd. It's no big deal. But at some point someone was like, I'm playing this character called Sweeney Todd that no one's Mm -hmm. heard of. And, and everyone compares you if you were playing a role. I mean, not, you know. No, yeah, you've, you've it, done it. They're going to be why... like, well, you know, I've seen, I saw Kristen Chenoweth and, you know. That's right. She, she did it first. That's like, right. it's it's interesting. Yeah, there are but a lot I think, of But I think that what, what they ended up figuring out, which I love, and actually makes me, again, go back to that meritocracy thing, is um, that what they realized in hiring me was that the show was going to sell. They just mm-hmm. needed it to, to be good. And yeah. the show was going to sell the tickets. And so what would make the show good is hiring the right people. Yeah. And I I'm really so glad appreci- they did that. Me too. I've seen oh. a lot of Broadway shows where they're like a TikToker and a, you know, right. and a person on TV. And it's like, they never acted on stage before. And it's very obvious. And No, I have a lot of um, respect for the theater in general, like what it is and what it means and hist- the history behind it and all that. So when that stuff happens, you really hope for the best. Like you're like, I hope that you take this seriously because it's a big deal to me. Yeah. Um, and it always has been. I've never lost sort of like what that passion is that like is probably like a, a bit dangerous to have this much passion for something because it, it, it does get me into trouble sometimes. Like it does. <laughs> I do hold people to that standard when I'm in rehearsals <laughs> and I'm well known for that. Like that's one thing where mm-hmm. I do come home and, um, you know, at, at, I, I got the really good fortune of this is this will make sense, but I, I, I got the really good fortune of, of getting to chat for a number of days with Judy Belushi. Mm-hmm. Um, and we chatted about John, who's I'm an enormous fan of, and, yeah. and obviously SNL and all that stuff. Um, and he, she, we were out talking about that and she, him and I turns out, which is not very publicly well known, I guess, but like he had this enormous high standard for the comedy he was doing. And when people weren't doing it or not taking it seriously or commenting on it, he would come home after a shooting of SNL a tape show and, and, and he'd be furious at hours later. And that's, that sentiment couldn't ring true. And I will come home 
800 shows in from school of rock and, and, and come in as if we had like, we're in previews. Like my wife would be like, Jesus, Christ!" you know, it's like, and I'm like, I'm like, but the thing, they didn't do this like that. And it's like, we've been mm-hmm. running for a year and a half. It's going well. I have no reason to complain. And yet still yeah. on a random Wednesday afternoon, I'm like, you need to do better. You want it to be great. I need I mean, it to be great. I have a responsibility. Ellen can attest for this. I did what? 400 HQ shows. If I fucked up a word, if I was like, welcome to the show. Oh my God. If, if, if my cup flipped over, cause we were live, I would just, I, afterwards I'd be like, oh my God, I didn't say that one word. Yeah. Right. And but that's be good. Like, no one cares. That's like, a good no thing. No one though. will when remember you're that. Describe- and I'd be like, when you were describing that feeling, I was like, I've been through this with Anna so many times. It's real. But it's, I think it's a good thing. Same. I'll be like, oh, my God, my hair was in my face the whole time. They saw that was there. That was there. <laughs> like I, something will piss me off. And I'm like, I, get it together. I am wi- widely known from the shows that I've been in from the stage managers for having more post-show meetings in my room with a stage manager than almost any, <laughs> any other actor <laughs> just to talk about things that didn't go right that show and watching the stage. And I sympathize with them, watching them go, OK, we'll let them know like they <laughs> It's like, it's painful and I get it, but it means a lot to me. And That's I think it really works. <laughs> it's good. You have good work ethic. Yeah. I mean, I know I do. I just want to make, you know, it's like, that's where it's coming from. It's not me being, you know, being a jerk. It's like, let's make, let's continue to make this magical. It's shall all we? to make it. Yeah. You want to make it right. I totally yeah. get that. And it's funny because I had never, not that we did Broadway, but I had never done something every single night. No, that's the same thing though. It's so the same, long. same thing. And you're like, you know, how do I keep this fresh? How, I don't want anyone to ever think this is stale or feels old or whatever. And like, do you ever you get know. the feeling? I mean, I'm, the HQ is a little different because, or things that you do that are like um, appointment, you know, television or things like that. People are coming to at a certain time. But mm-hmm. I always would feel like uh, the, what kept me right, but I didn't. It wasn't even something I chose. What kept me righted in like when I ever and whenever I felt like a little like, off or like tired, I, I always had in the back of my head like whoever like. Like this audience saw the show last night and I can't like they have a thing they're comparing it to when in yeah. fact, like probably it's the, a totally different audience. It's probably some newcomers. I mean, some some right. uh, repeat uh, offenders, but like it's always yeah. I'm like, oh, they're going to tell their friend that like they didn't see the thing they told them about. And that's what keeps me going. Like, I got to do it like opening night. Yeah, they're, they're, especially when it's a hot show. You've been in these like very popular shows. It's yes. like. People are people are talking about them. People are tweeting and Reddit and all the shit that you they're have writing. A, you have a weird place. responsibility to other people's opinions. <laughs> yeah, you do. You do. And I and I I am uh, unfortunately I am susceptible to that. Yeah. Um. I actually had a friend. My friend, shout out to Michael Hartney, who I love. Michael Hartney. Rock. I know Hartney for years from doing UCB. Of He's course. one of my favorite people in the world. Do you know? Do you must know also from Beetlejuice, Anthony King. Yeah, 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 yeah. There you go. It's funny. My boyfriend actually said that he thought that the the script for the Broadway show is better than the movie. He's a longtime fan of the movie, and he left the show being like, I, I don't usually compare them, but I liked it better than the movie. I I'm, liked where they went with the story. I'm was, biased, but I do too. I, I yeah. think that they did a really bang-up job, not only for an adaptation, but I mm-hmm. think like just for a musical in general. I think it has one of the best, funniest books. And so heartfelt. Funny. And very heartfelt at the end. Like, incredibly yeah. heartfelt. Yeah. Um, they did a ton of work on it. They're both TV guys, so it's like really fun to watch like two TV guys write snappy dialogue for the stage. Yeah. That isn't like musical theater comedy. Right. You know, totally. Which is different. One day I want to write a musical. You should. I have, I always, I have docs of musicals I've wanted to write. Look, if Melanie and Nick Kroll can do Oh Hello, then all comedians can do the thing. I mean, it's they're so- geniuses, obviously. <laughs> they're at a high level of, of stagecraft there when they were doing. Sure. But I think it's they proved that stand-ups and sketches and sketch writers are have just as much uh, 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 reason to be on stage there than anybody else. Yeah. 
No, that's that's so true. I yeah. one day the Jinx the musical will be finished. <laughs> oh my god. It's happening. It's literally a doc. That's a real thing that I have in my docs. <laughs> you have a Jinx <laughs> musical? Do you have a do you have a Dream Durst? <gasps> no, not yet. You not don't? Yet. You but by the time it. it's done, you know. What if someone what if someone hears this episode and goes, I want your elevator pitch, you're gonna need a Durst. <laughs> I know. What's weird is I'm related to him. That's why I'm obsessed with this. Oh, so no. uh, I know. He's my grandpa's cousin. No. <laughs> my, mo- my mom's Durst. Yeah. I've no. talked about this a lot on stage, you know, like uh, how it's shaped my person being related to a serial killer. But yeah. Uh, <laughs> you're like, so I, I think pick a- I- <laughs> the way you pick apartments, you're like, no staircases. <laughs> <laughs> only elevator <laughs> but i do feel this responsibility i'm like anna you have to write this musical you're the only one you're the distant cousin who writes you gotta do it i'm all about it i think like, they can make a silence of the lambs musical they can do a robert durst musical honestly would you play would you play a durst would you audition for durst at i least? would you happily know, I, I would happily. i don't want to guarantee anything you know i know you're this two time you know you've done a lot but i would see a script okay okay yeah. I wanted to know about like when School of Rock ends and then how much time until Beetlejuice? Like, cause I feel like you have now become a leading man, a Tony nominee on Broadway. Yeah. That's, that's huge. And also yes. it's because you're hard on yourself. That's a lot of responsibility in your brain, I imagine. So you're like, what's my next move? Right. Uh, <laughs> Let's how, do another was- film adaptation of a musical. That was my thought. Um, <laughs> I, right only after, films, <laughs> only leads, only films, only leads, only films, only humongous shoes to step in, and mm-hmm. only minor heart attacks every other week when you're doing it. <laughs> um, uh, right after School of Rock, I did a pilot for Showtime called Smilf. Um, oh which yeah, which was where I, where I got full frontal. Isn't Rosie O'Donnell and yes, Smilf? yes, yeah. and she's fabulous in it. And yeah. I was I got full frontal naked in it. You can all Google that picture if you'd like. It's wow. really it's really upsetting, um, <laughs> but was but was like really fun to do because um, I was <laughs> like friend- out of I was like out of shape, and they're like that's what we want for this. I was like okay, great, I don't care. Dave um, Ebert, I don't know if you know Dave Ebert. He's a good friend of mine. He's an actor, but he was on I the don't. podcast a couple of episodes ago and he's an actor and he was in this movie that's now on HBO. I forget the name of it. And he's like, I'm, you see my ass for like 12 minutes straight. Yeah. And he, same thing. They yeah. were like, wow, you're, you got a lot of hair going on there. <laughs> and he was like, oh, do I need to do something? And they were like, no, nope. no, we love it. <laughs> that's, that's why, why you're here. <laughs> that's why we cast you. We want that. Well, you, you do see my ass, but you also see my front as well. <laughs> that so 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 viewers beware um uh but yeah i did that which was a blast um because getting to do that was like such a change from a musical and i came back and i just sort of wrote a little bit i um was was starting to hear whispers about this beetlejuice thing because i had auditioned for a couple workshops of it so i was already because it's four and a half years before it hit broadway i was working on the show Holy so, shit. Four yeah. and a half years. Four four years, I think, actually, before we went to DC. I think. <gasps> I think maybe DC was year four. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Either way, it was the longest I worked on anything. Um, but pretty quickly after that was like one of the first readings of Beetlejuice. Mm-hmm. Um, after I had gotten back from Boston shooting Smilf. And uh I never stopped doing it. It was like I had this audition, which was like two seconds in a room, which is hilarious because all the other auditions I've ever had were like weeks at a time and right. months in between. And this was like one six minute audition in a room that night. I found out I was doing the the reading, which is like, you know, all of 72 hours. Mm-hmm. But then every moment beyond that, I just kept thinking about it as an audition because I remembered the School of Rock thing. I was like, if I do a really good job, they're just going to keep me around. 
Yeah. Why would they get anybody if I'm else? I'm nice to everyone if I help out. You're. It sounds like also for School of Rock, you didn't show up being like, I better get this fucking lead or I'm out. Like I, you were, fa- you were the like, complete opposite. I knew I'll I wasn't going to. I didn't right. think I was going to get it. I didn't think that Ugh. it was mine at all. And so I, and by yeah. the way, it's that's that sentiment is true. I, I try to mm-hmm. impart that. It's never yours. Yeah. Um, I always say that the auditions, like I'll go in for a commercial audition and I'll forget everything. And I'm like, that was bad. I don't even think I did that right. Uh, forget it. And then those are the ones you get. Yeah. And you're like, because I didn't like give yeah. myself that kind of That's pressure. right. But it's never yours. Like that's the yeah. thing. It's even if when you had, when I had the reading, I was aware that at any point in the next four years that turned out to be at any point with four no years. reason, they could say, Zach Efron's interested in doing this and we want him to do it. So goodbye. Thanks for your material. (laughs) And I would get zero. There's no package you get. There's no thank you note. It's just their job. And so my job was to make them forget that that's their thing. Yeah. And it worked. And we took the show out of town and it was really fun and got to make an album. We did the whole original Broadway company thing, which I just, I hope every actor gets to do that at some point because it is truly from the ground up, just making a show like that, any show really, but from the ground mm-hmm. up, it's just such an amazing experience to like work on something that may not work. Yeah. is super exciting. Um, all right. Well, we have to wrap this up soon, but I did want to ask you one last question. Okay. Cause you haven't, you, I mean, clearly you're not doing theater right now, which is a little scary, right? Like, not, it's very scary. Yeah, I, it's not a little scary. It's very scary. <laughs> My um, entire industry is unemployed. I would call that scary. Yeah, I know. I know. We didn't even talk about it. But I told Ellen, I'm like, I'm sure we'll only talk about like how theater is not happening now. And like, oh, no, when I'm, I am not helpful. I, I need to be wrangled. I can talk for a long time about other things. <laughs> um but do you do you have hope for the theater right now like yes. realistically yes realistically you think they're gonna design it so we can sit farther apart or block off seats or because i, I don't am know like, for theaters and movie theaters i'm like i want i that's my favorite thing to do here and i'm like how are we gonna get there how i think go yeah I, I think that how are we gonna get there is the right question i think how are we gonna get there quickly is the wrong question i think yeah. that's like what people really are trying to do is like how can we jam people in a room right now and it's like we we shouldn't no um, I'm, I'm i'm seeing a lot of like these outdoor shows which are happening which is mm-hmm. fun and interesting and like that's fine it's not theater i'm seeing zoom readings of shows and mm-hmm. that's fine it's not theater in my opinion no. i have a hard time watching them and thinking it's theater it's something else and yeah. it's entertaining and that's fine but it's not theater it's not the thing we all know is theater um people say it's coming back next spring i am a realistic optimist and i am more of a realist than anything else and i think that's a pretty 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 brazen guess to yeah. get 1500 people to that in a room that trust everyone else in the room like that, until I don't we know. have a vaccine that's I what i think so that's I what i picture it really happening i think we are on we are waiting on science and that's okay mm-hmm. and i think the minute any sort of like vaccine that can be produced in mass that can like make people assured that even if you go to the theater and catch something, you're going to be okay. Yeah. That I think will bring back theater in a large way that the idea that there is an EpiPen sort of universe where we can mm-hmm. sort of, okay, the fix is here. Yeah. Right. Um, and so then it just needs to be available, but that's all it is. It's not just, so, you know, I, I would say if I had to gun to my head, guess about when any sign of theater is coming back, I think that, Spring is a pretty brazen guess. I would say fall mm-hmm. 2021. We might see the sprinklings of theater here and there. And I mean theater as it used to be. I don't mean like right. the one man shows that are coming into the West End or the two man shows and things like right. that, which I think are great. I think those are good testers to see how many people want to come see it. Yeah. But um, 
it's really about the audience. It's about getting that many people in. It's not about actors wanting to do it. I know plenty of actors that will just do it now. Yeah. But it's not about doing a show for nobody is psychotic. Wait, I had one more fun question for you. So let's say theater comes back. Theater comes back better than ever because I do think we're going to need that. I I, I don't cry in movies, but I cry in theater. I don't know if that makes sense. No, Uh, I'm right there with you. Really? Oh yeah. Big time. Like once in a once in a while, I'll cry in a movie. But I I saw Next to Normal five times and I cried my eyes out. I also was going through a breakup and that was my help. Um, amazing show. Uh, I, I wanted I, to I know. I will cry. I'm sorry. Before I ask a question, I'm just letting you know that how how with you I am. Okay. I I will you typically choke up if not start to cry a little bit when the lights dim in a theater. Really? Oh yeah. I will do that. I, I'll do that especially if it's a big actor and they come out and you clap for them. I'm like. <sighs> I am swept. I am swept. I'm overswept with emotion in a theater yeah. more than I am in any part of my life. And I am incredibly emotional. My wife could attest. I will cry at a commercial, but oh, wow. I, I am it, it, how much I cry in real life, which is every day at some point, um, <laughs> usually for good things. And in a theater, forget about it. Yeah. I'll, if I read a cool, if I read an interesting, compelling bio in the playbill before the shows, I'm like, he, he, he dedicated this to Carol Shelley. <laughs> You know, it's like, and, I'll, and then I'm already gone. So I'm with you. So now what's your question? Oh, my question is, theater's coming back. It's hotter than ever. Um, is there anything that, what is your dream role? If there's a job that you could get. I used to have, have a terrible answer this? for this. I used to okay. have, I had the hack answer, which is because I, but it's true, which is like, I actually really, I've had the luxury of being able to create a little bit and like creating roles is more fun than playing ones that already existed. So I was like, mm-hmm. my, my hack answer was, you know, my dream role is the one that hasn't been written yet. Uh, but which is true. It's just, you know, one that wants was to hear his that. first interview on the history boys. He's like, well, you know, I mean, hey. the sky's the limit right now. Yeah. I'm like, <laughs> eight, I'm like turning 18. I have no clue what's going on. I have no facial hair. Um, uh, but that is the truth. It just was a really unsatisfying answer. And I understand that. And I need, and I just never thought about it, but now I have. And okay. I think that my, a dream role that I would love to play would be in a revival, but it's a play. Okay. Um, it's the play, the pillow man by Martin McDonough. Oh, and it's a yeah. fantastic play and it's a horror play. It's like a thriller. Um, okay. And it would, the cast was uh, Jelko Ivanek, Jeff Goldblum, uh, Billy Crudup and Michael Stuhlbarg, wow. who had, who had not really, who was like a yet a soon to be Michael Stuhlbarg. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was this horror play about a, basically like a base, like a communist state where they've captured this author who writes children's books where like the children get viciously murdered in some kind of fairy tale way. And, all of a sudden in this town, children were being murdered in the way his books were going and that he was oh, under shit. investigation. And the entire thing takes place in an, basically like a, a lightless, uh, windowless interrogation room where they are interrogating him and his brother who has met, who has um, a Down syndrome, played by Michael, wow. Michael Stuhlbarg, which one of the reasons it kept me coming back was how brilliantly and sensitively he played somebody with a mental disorder because that mm-hmm. is a huge part of my life. Uh, my dad founded the, dis- the Disability Solutions Group at Apple Computer. So oh, I've wow. been around that world my entire life and watching yeah. people mimic or mock people with mental retardation is like one of my biggest things that I just, mm-hmm. it doesn't, it does not, it, I, I am okay with almost anything else. Mm-hmm. Um, but watching this play, uh, aside from the fact that it was fucking brilliant and scary, which is hard to achieve in the theater, um, true terror is very hard to achieve because you're still watching it and like it's it's silly like it's yeah. hard to do jump scares in theater it's easy to do it in movies um but I that would, would be love this play. Uh, so you should read this play everyone re- everyone listening to this should read this play because it's it's a scary read too yeah um but i would play 
any single one of the four characters. I, I have a thing to offer to all four. I'm not old enough to play two of them, I think, but I am old enough to play two of them. Mm-hmm. That's great. That's yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah. You've, I like that you've thought about that. I have. So- I, I had to. It, it's a question you get a lot, actually, yeah. in a weird way. You get the question a lot, and I, don't want to, I didn't want it to be unsatisfying anymore. <laughs> Yeah. I don't know. I don't know my answer to this question anymore. You don't? I just wanted to ask you this question. No, you have I like don't. no no show that you'd want to like be a part of that you like have seen and loved. I mean, next to normal, I was sick over. Honestly, you want to know the show I want to be in? Hit it, Mamma Mia. I've, can I tell you something as a as a musical theater uh, aficionado <laughs> and and person that's obsessed with musical theater? I have not seen one version of Mamma Mia. I haven't seen the movie. I have not seen the play. What? You haven't seen the movie? I have not seen both movies. I know that Ellen knows I'm like a diehard fan. I wrote I wrote this whole article defending this film. (laughs) I haven't seen it. I have I I I plan to. I it it keeps eluding me. I have no I have no beef with it. I just have it's literally it played in I was in New York when it was on Broadway. Yeah. I never saw it. I saw it. I don't know the first thing about the story. Not five times in London, New York, uh, the touring company in Philadelphia. I've really gone hard for Mamma Mia. Uh-huh. Uh, I think I went alone to the, to the movie to see it by myself. Um, but it's way, one of those like, why shows. Why is it Mamma Mia? You know what I mean? Like, why can't like straight white guys get a break in this town? Oh my god! You know what I mean? Oh like, why god. is it always Mama this and Mom? <laughs> <laughs> well. Thanks for being here. I feel like Thank we you. covered I, it all. You're so employed. It's really honestly like inspiring. It really I hope, is. I honestly, and I mean this, and I, I hope that you take this to heart. I, I, I know how much I ramble and how much we didn't get to. And so if, if I'm ha- more than happy to come back and do another one of these oh if you God. want more stuff. Thank you. I mean, if the fans ask for it, you're you're always invited oh, back. Oh, this that's, was what, so that's fun. the criteria? No, then I'll never come back. If the fans- <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. I don't get any but fans who talk about this. <laughs> they want to know where their money is in HQ I will, trivia. <laughs> I will happily, I will talk musical, I will talk theater with you, for, with anybody, but with you especially for as long as you'd like. All right, cool. Well, this was it. Where can everyone find you? Where, I mean, like you're on Twitter, you're not on Instagram. We I'm know only that. on Twitter. I'm on Twitter at, at a bright monster. Um, and that's me. It's a picture of me. Hard to miss. Picture of me and my dog, Kevin. Thank you so much for being here. You got it. That's it. We did it. Another episode of Unemployed with Anna Roisman. But you know what? I'm talking to a lot of people who are very employed, which is super inspiring to me, to you, Ellen, I'm sure, right? We're going to be, we're going to be fine. Everyone's going to be fine. And don't forget to follow the podcast on Twitter at Unemployed PDCST. No vowels because that's sexy. And uh, you can find me at Anna Roisman. Uh, Also, please give it a little rating if you can, you know, give it a five-star rating, review it. You know, if you need me to say a poem next time, Hey, let me know. Let me know what you want. Uh, And stay tuned for some mini episodes coming out. Ellen and I are going to watch some movies about getting fired and we're going to talk about them and see if they're actually like real life or not. Some might be, some might not. Uh, That's it. Thanks and listen to the other episodes. I love you. Bye. Hey everyone, in case you didn't hear me sneak it in like 10 times throughout this episode, Unemployed Podcast has a Patreon. The Patreon is a way for people to support the podcast. You can sign up for as little as $5 a month or more. Millions. We'll take it all. And it seriously helps us keep this thing going. So I want to shout out to our amazing patrons who have shown love to this podcast. Shout out to Chris Arneson, Oscar Yuen, Ken Levin, Blue Jay, Vic, and Jonathan Ediger. You are awesome. Thank you so much. And if you want to shout out on the next episode, just find us at patreon.com slash unemployed podcast. Thanks. Love you.